Welcome to Points of Change. And today I have a great pleasure of speaking with somebody who I know pretty well and known her for a long time. And she has an incredible story. And we are going to speak something about that and how she's become a very successful property investor in the UK and is now helping other people to sort out their financial lives and even be ready to prepare themselves for a, not just retiring but a comfortable even wealthy retirement. Her name is Vicky Wache. We're going to meet her right after the titles. Welcome to Points of Change with Johnny Ball, the show where week by week I will be chatting with coaches, trainers, mentors, experts, visionaries, change makers, people with amazing transformational stories and experiences, and people who are helping others to create transformation in their lives. Stay tuned and make sure you subscribe. Don't miss an episode. I love that. It's my new titles, Vicky. What do you think? Yeah, I know. <laughs> A very good looking man there. And I mean, not just you, but the other one pointing at you. Not not just me. Yeah, absolutely. Not yeah. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> wonder what made me pick him. But Vicky, it, it's, uh, it's really good to be speaking with you today. And uh, we've spoken before. Last time I brought you on to one of my podcast shows, uh, we didn't really get to talk about what we had planned because of COVID and everything like that. I mean, we had a great chat. We talked about uh, really dealing with all of this and taking care of our mental health and having optimism and hope for what was in the future afterwards. Today, we get to talk a bit more about what you're doing now and uh, and a bit more about your journey, some of which I, I've been able to see. And you know, I think things in your life were probably very different when we first met to how they are now, right? Yeah, very different. I mean, crikey, that was 2007, six, seven, I think. Somewhere around there for sure. Yeah, I think two, definitely 2006, 2007. We've have... known one another an entire teenager's life. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Um, <laughs> maybe not having kids, but uh, yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. It's it's certainly been a while. Uh, somewhere, I, I really need to find this. Somewhere, I've got a really cool photograph of you and I at uh, at one of the uh, events, and I, I had a Superman vest on under my shirt, and I was pulling it pulling it open. <laughs> it was a really nice photo. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it somewhere. Oh, uh, maybe good. maybe I'll try. Yeah. And, Maybe I'll try and include it in uh, in something in the show notes uh, later. I've but got Vicky... a lot of pictures of us putting funny faces. We did a lot of this for some reason. Oh, so pouty faces. Pouty. We did a, <laughs> a lot of the pictures of that time were pouty faces for some reason. Maybe that was just around the time before duck face was becoming a bit of a thing as well. <laughs> <laughs> but we had we had a lot of fun at those events and we got to know each other. But tell us a bit more about where you were around that sort of time, what your life looked like. Oh. Gosh, now you've got me going back there. So I would say that I had recently been made redundant. And I had, uh, and from a job I adored. So I think that's the key thing. There was a whole issue of control in my life. You know, here I am bombing down the motorway, having a great time, fifth gear, everything going well, director of education projects, um, creating my own modules at universities, all that sort of stuff. And then, bam, someone pulls the plug. I don't know, like, you don't want to pull your rug out from underneath you when you're on a motorway, so I've mixed my metaphors here. Sure. But, it, but it felt like that, you know, I've had this sort of, um, this crash and it's, it's all over. And then having to sort of pick yourself back up and reinvent. And one of the things I thought I'd do, well, I've been working with all these businesses for years, helping them look at where the education and the knowledge is in their business and where they can be successful. 
I can do that for myself. But I didn't realize that people valued me because I was free. And that's a conversation that you'll find a lot on any sort of channel. How how do we give things for free and yet still show that we are of value? Mm. Um, and so all of these, and at that time, it would have been a lot, like a thousand people were my clan. Um, none of them wanted to pay for what I had to do because they'd always had me for free as part of um, government funding. Right. So that was that was sort of a real trick for me there. And then I just got this free email saying, come along to an event um rocked up at the good old ibis hotel in fulham london west london <laughs> i remember, remember those well. days <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah and um i went with my sister and we we learned that the king's road was just round the corner and what we said we'd do is we'd stay in the ibis overnight um for the weekend even though we only lived 20 minutes down the road we were going to make a whole weekend of it and um you know sisters on the road and we were going to go on the Friday night. And then if we didn't like it, Saturday, we were going to go to the King's Road. And to this day, I have still never been to the King's Road. <laughs> this event blew my mind. Um, I'd been in education at that point for 10 or 11 years, responsible for uh, inspiring the minds of future generations and future business owners, creating modules. And I had a master's in education as well. Oh, I didn't know and that. Yet I still didn't know the stuff that was being taught by this guy and how our thoughts control everything and literally that was it. it was like someone took the top of my head off scooped out everything mixed it with this new knowledge put it back and I don't feel like I've stopped since <laughs> yeah. it was it was a revolutionary experience for for me as well you know um mm. I, I think at that time where I feel that I was, was very much you know, what they call in the personal development world, in effect, I was definitely in effect, I was in super victim mode, I was like, the world happens to me, um, terrible, you know, life is bad, and it's uh, not, there's nothing I can do about it, it was like help, helplessness and, and victim mentality, mm. that's definitely where I was, and, and that I would say is around the time where I recognized that, I had the awareness, and also started learning the tools to do something about it and get out of that and get to living more at cause and taking responsibility mm. for myself and my life. So I know that was a huge point of change for me. The, were there uh, any particular points of change in that experience? I mean, I guess the journey you had in your career was a big point of change for you that pushed you in in a direction to look at new things and think about different things but in that particular experience of learning stuff what were some of the things that maybe stand out for you as like breakthrough moments um i think there are a couple of things that um and i'm not saying i wasn't in the same position as you but i didn't have the i wouldn't have described it in the same way you've just described your starting point but i think what i recognized was that everything I had in my life was a result of the decisions and the actions I'd taken. And anything that was missing in my life was equally a result of the actions or decisions I hadn't taken. Right. And so there's no blame. That's the second point. There's just an opportunity to learn. And, and we also did, we also dabbled in hypnosis and became master hypnosis practitioners, <laughs> et cetera. Of and course. I remember, oh my, that that time when I was you know, people poking me going, stiff and rigid, you're stiff and rigid, and then laying me out 
and I was supported by only my head and my heels between two chairs with this belief that I had this huge and weighty backside that would drag me down. And yet I controlled my mind to say stiff as a board that put with the, the idea that there's no blame and anything that I want in my life, I just need to make the right decision. And then the knowledge that I can make my body so stiff that I can be suspended between two chairs just made me go, well, whatever I want, I can have now. And yeah. then, of course, you've got to put an ethical framework around it because that could take you down a whole path of, I don't know, unethical values and, you know, being all out for yourself. And for some people, it does. It definitely. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think we could probably have an off-screen chat about the paths <laughs> that other people have, have taken. And I... Let's do that, <laughs> but not, but not, in, but not no, in this episode for sure. No, 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 uh, no, but yeah, definitely. I mean, ethical uh, framework is a big thing for me. I mm. teach, I now teach influence and persuasion way beyond what we ever learned in uh, NLP and hypnosis stuff. Um, but I teach it within an ethical framework because that's the best you can do. They, it's just tools uh, yeah. that can be used. Uh, they can be used for positive outcomes and for greater benefit, or they can be used for personal gain or even for uh, negative consequences mm. they're just tools the uh, same as a, a hammer in, in that sort of sense absolutely you and i took things thankfully down a more ethical path and so what did what did that end up leading you into because you know what, what you do now in your life is is different to what you did then <laughs> well do you know what i think we would be able to find bridges between before and after because there's still an awful lot of education in my life, not just right. me doing the education, but me sharing my knowledge and my experience to others. So I think that's acted as a bridge or, or potentially a foundation uh, that goes from past to future. So um, I think the next step would be described as one of regaining control. And I said control is a big word for me. It's always been a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, I poodled along through the teenage years up until I got married, completely fine. Then found myself in a relationship which, I don't know if it wasn't ethical, but it wasn't mutually beneficial would be maybe, maybe a bit to toxic or destructive. Oh, very definitely, yeah. very definitely toxic. Yeah, very definitely toxic. But, but toxic from the point where there was no benefit for me other than obviously I left with two small daughters, which right. was a huge benefit. Um, but I think the thing is that it was about control. And during that relationship, I lost financial control. And that's me being nice to myself. Quite frankly, I never even attempted to take financial control. And that's one of the things I see a lot of people struggling with now. They're poodling along and they think they've got a big house and they think they've got money in the bank account. Quite often they don't have that much money in the bank account or they think they've got a good job. And then if we go back to where we were last year, COVID comes along, whacks everybody in the face. And actually they find out that while they thought they were financially secure, they weren't financially resilient. And what I really want to do now is, is show people what financial resilience means and looks like. Back then, I had no financial security. I had no financial intelligence. I was completely reliant on a partner in a toxic relationship. And so when we came out of the training that we did together, that was the first thing I went for. How can I make myself more financially secure? I was a single parent. Um, 
I had previously been on benefits before I became a university student and then a university lecturer. And now here I was not really earning money again. And how was I going to turn that round? And Mm -hmm. that's when I started investing in property because I saw that property was a tangible asset. Again, here comes that word that I could control. I could buy it. I could improve its value. I could rent it as one unit. I could rent it as part units. I could sell it. I could do all sorts of things with it. Whereas when you have a share, you buy it, you hold it, you sell Mm. it. When you have gold, you buy it, you hold it, you sell it. Even everybody's crazy about Bitcoin. Well, if you're lucky not to get robbed, then you just buy it, hold it, hope that its value increases, but then have to sell it to realize any capital. And what I wanted was to be in a position where I constantly had a monthly income and a reserve But that monthly income, if I didn't need to spend it, would build up my reserve so that I had the words we used then with financial security and could choose what I wanted to do with my life. Which is an an important thing. I think it maybe took me a little while longer to to recognize that for myself uh, and get my finances straightened out. Um, And I know that uh, learning with with Harv Eko, who who I I still work with to this day, um, learning money management skills basic money management skills was was definitely a big turning point in my life to actually uh, saying okay well i am actually responsible for my finances and uh, you, know, you should know what's in your bank account not just uh, not just find out when you're at the checkout that there's not enough money there kind of yeah. thing and um that once I started doing that, actually, I think within three months of managing my money and not just spending it on stupid stuff, um, I got out of my overdraft for the first time in years and mm. uh, and got my account back in the black. And from there, it's like, okay, well, uh, then I started putting savings away, something I hadn't done since I was a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, it makes such a difference. Absolutely. Oh uh, yeah, it's de- definitely. Uh, you know, it's a foundational thing for I think for build for building your life on. Like, if you haven't got your money taken care of, if you're not at least, if you don't at least know where you are, I'm not saying you have to be rich, but if you don't at least look after your money and know where you are with it, then you are missing a, an essential foundational point in life, and you're not going to know what you can do and what you can't do, uh, and it just means you're not really looking after stuff, right? It's uh, it's self care. I'd I'd go even further than that, and I I think it probably picks up on that self-care piece that you mentioned at the end. If you don't manage your money, unconsciously you are going to be stressed. Because we cannot deny that money rules our society now. You have to have money to eat, you have to have money to live. But if you're not aware of your finances, and by this I mean knowing the exact amount that you need every month in order to pay your basic living costs that's the key thing right you can go on from this afterwards and I talk to my clients about that you know as we get down the line but the basic costs so how much is my rent or my mortgage how much is my food bills my utility bills basic travel costs like if you need to you know when you used to leave the house to go to work and petrol to go to work or train travel to go to work just those basic costs there not replacing your clothes, not replacing your car, and we can't really have holidays or anything, but just the basic costs. And then whatever that number is, whether it's a thousand pounds or three thousand pounds, you are now empowered by the knowledge of that number. Right. And then what you can do is you can go, let's just pick two thousand as a number in between. I need two thousand every month to pay my basic expenses. My take home wage is two and a half thousand. Perfect. I earn more 
then I have to spend, I've got 500 left and that I can then look at as savings and spending money, you know, saving up for holidays, replacing clothes, doing whatever else I need. What yeah. you really need to get yourself to a position is where that gap is bigger because you right. need to build up a contingency. That's a bit more complicated. But the point is, once you know that your number is, whatever it is, 2000 and you know how much money is coming in, you're suddenly in control, you calm the mind, and then an amazing thing happens. Your ability to do everything else is exponential. You just said that, and the expression on your face, you got out of the black, uh, sorry, out of the red and into the black. So not only did you get in control, but you stopped wasting money and giving yeah. it to the bankers in terms of interest and penalty payments. Yeah. Because of that, you already had more money than you had before. You then started to save, which gives you a sort of a low level of, of calm and, and confidence that's going on there. And, and your whole expression changed. And just that then just frees your mind to really focus on what matters to you. That could yeah. be being with your family. It could be growing your business. What comes next almost doesn't matter because whatever comes next will be better because you're not worrying about money, even though you don't know that you're worrying about money. I think that's super important, Vicky, and I, I agree with you 100%. And I do think a lot of it is the stress. You know, what's what's one of the number one reasons why couples argue with each other? It's money more, mm. more often than anything else. And uh, so even just knowing where you are with it and having agreements in your relationship about how you manage it and what you Definitely. spend money on and all those things, it makes a huge, huge difference. And, you know, I, I, I run um, Harv's financial freedom training program. And one of the things that I think people always find very empowering is getting what Harv calls their freedom number, which is what you've just described, knowing yeah. how much your life costs to live. That's your freedom number, like the stuff you have to spend money on every month, the uh, food, uh, utilities, rent, mortgage, whatever. Um, that stuff, if you can cover that cost, and often it is around 2000 sometimes it's more, uh, sometimes it's less. If you can actually meet that through um, investment income, through more residual sources, I hate saying passive income because yeah. it never is. Um, but um, it's, it's the word that I know everyone understands, but I think it's very misleading. And uh, if you can meet that, then you are essentially financially free. Whatever else you earn in a job or anything like that, that's that's yours. You can invest that, you can play with it, you use it for whatever you want. Um, that is what most people probably don't understand as being financial freedom. You know, you ask, you ask most people, what does financially free mean to you? And they'll talk about winning the lottery or they'll talk about having tens of thousands. It's like, well, that's a, a huge uh, and maybe um, gap, big gap between where you are now and where you might want to be that probably some part of your brain is going, nah, not going to happen, not doable. But to be making 2000 plus a month and covering your basic life expenses, if that's your initial goal, at least, if that's not where you are now, you have a much better chance of hitting that. And then once you get there and your financial stress is eased, you know, the, the world is your oyster, as it were. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you use the word freedom and I use the word enough. Because it's yeah. quite interesting that the enough word has, a, has two different con connotations, not enough. We have it as quite a negative word. But what I really want to show people is that if you have uh, the ability to pay your own way in life, even at the most basic level, to keep a roof over your head, to keep yourself warm and to keep 
food in your belly and for your family, however that family looks, you have enough. There are so many people out there that don't even have that. So recognize that you have enough. Be grateful that you have that. And I know I've only talked about the basic costs, but you can always have more than enough if you want. Know that you've got enough and then work to have more than enough. And if you really want, have much more than enough. I'm not going to stop you, but know that you have enough because that just calms the mind and then allows you to just move on and, and actually set new goals. You know, when you come from a fearful place, I know people who have got a lot of money and they live in fear and they are just tight. Yeah, they are just tight because they don't recognize that you, they not actually these people not only have enough and more than enough, they actually have much more than enough. They are sorted way into their retirement for however long they live, but they don't appreciate the money in that way. But then equally, I was working with a client just the other week. And they've got, you know, a, a multi-million pound house. They've got an extremely successful business, but they've only got £5,000 in savings, which doesn't actually co- cover the cost of one month. Their monthly yeah. cost for one month was £7,000. Now, bear in mind, we're recording this in lockdown. I do not understand how this person is spending £7,000. 2000 of it's their mortgage. There's £5,000 there going on takeaways and into Mr. Bezos's pocket, you know, <laughs> Amazon's getting rich off the back of his, oh, and yeah. you just yeah. need to dig into this. But yeah. you know what I would then say, and you probably cover this as well, is if you're, I'm going to be a bit generous here, right? So 2000 on the mortgage, let's say another 2000 on household costs. Let's say you're wasting about 3000 a month, which is some people's more than some people's living expenses and wages. Yeah. What's going wrong? in other parts of your life that you could just throw away £3,000 a month on rubbish and when that £3,000 a month could be coming into your your bank account, your savings, you'd have nearly £36,000, £40,000 easily within the space of a year. You know, it's just so easy to turn this around. And, and what have you got to show for all of that money? And this right. sort of mindless consumerism, we are wrapped in it. And I bet everybody all through the last 12 months where they're at home they're feeling unhappy they're looking at buying things you know maybe they've upped their tv subscriptions and they're consuming box sets or more movies that's okay because actually it's cheaper to watch a movie off the tv than it was to take the whole family out to the cinema not least because you're not paying a a fortune on popcorn and fizzy drinks (laughs) everything everything else you have to buy whilst you're there so some of my screening falling down there um (laughs) um i I get exactly what you're saying and uh, i i don't think i really recognized how much i was wasting money on things until Mm. i cut back and I see this because I sometimes get it with private clients who I work with that uh, they want to work on their financial security and things like that. And, and I do that to a degree. I mean, it's not not really an area of, of specialization for me. Uh, I, I can work with people on the foundational stuff, but you know, you take people further than that. And uh, and that's why I often will recommend clients to come, yeah, come and speak you. to you. And um, But in, in doing that, some people don't want to do one of the most simple things, not just managing your money, but also simplifying your spending. And that means essentially cutting back, living a bit more simply. People don't want to do it. And I know for me, that was one of the 
was one of the things that made the biggest difference in terms of being able to get out of debt quickly and stop spending money on stupid stuff was actually just turning things around and saying, okay, I can tighten my belt for a while. And it was tough. I think I spent probably a year of really not, no, had, had a very small personal entertainment and uh, going out sort of budget and um, you know lived a bit sort of more simply than perhaps I needed to. But in the end, it came down to one thing. It was like, well, do you want it? Do you want the comfort and the nice things right now? Or do you want an even better life in the future? Because if you are not willing to think long-term, take a look at the big picture, you are going to be stuck in this cycle for, for however long. I think there are there are two types of situations here. The first one is, as you described, back in the early days where you were in debt. And if you're in debt, then there needs to be drastic measures. Yeah. You know, I, I, I suppose I can be a little... Mm, a little hard, a little tough with my clients. But if you're in debt, that's it. There's no question you have to tackle that debt. You cannot sustain this. This is like cutting open one of your veins and letting the blood drip out. You are going to die eventually in a financial sense if you carry on down that path. So drastic measures. And yes, that does mean a, a contraction of your lifestyle. But for a lot of the clients I work with, they've actually got a lot of money. And although I gave that example of one that didn't have enough money to cover their savings, most of my clients have got lots of money. They've got money in equity in their houses. They've got investments. They've got lots of money in savings. But what they're not doing is on a, a monthly basis managing how they they spend and use that money to further their goals as you say they all want this great life they've actually got practically this great life but they're in a cycle where through overspending on nonsense that's a very judgmental but it is nonsense they're missing the opportunity to bring what they really want forward yeah. by years years that they can have this so they're caught in this cycle where they go out to work they go out to work they go out to work they're missing their family. They're missing family time. Obviously, more of this example is before we weren't allowed out the house to go to work. But, you know, they were going out. And even now, they're locked in a bedroom somewhere and they're working and they're missing their family, trying to bring money into the house. But they've missed the fact that there's a big hole over in the corner and the money's all pouring out. Yeah. You know, whether it's going to Amazon or whether it's going on takeaways or whatever they're doing, they're using money to buy things or food to make them happy because they're not happy because they're not together living yeah. the life that they want. So we've had this situation where we can go out for walks. But if you're stuck still having to earn money to pay for a lifestyle that isn't making you happy, so you're locked in your back bedroom or wherever it is, lots of people seem to have moved to the attic. Even right. I think BT, when they advertise about their Wi-Fi in, in the UK, are talking about how if, if you can't, what's the point of putting your home office in the attic when the Wi-Fi won't reach? <laughs> <You> know, everybody, <laughs> That's a good point. Done, they, they all move to corners of the houses so they can get yeah, peace yeah. and quiet to work. You're not there for your children helping them with the school or all the pressure is fallen on one parent to provide for the children for their schooling. Right. And one parent is slaving away, trying desperately to earn more and more money because they're not financially secure in the first place because they don't know their financial position. They're buying things that really aren't making them happy in the long run because what they really want to be able to do is go out every afternoon, 
go for a walk with the children in the park or walk the dog or right. maybe they want to be able to exercise and they can't because they have to earn money to pay for the stuff that they don't really want but it's making them pseudo happy while they can't have sure. the things they really want <laughs> yeah i think maybe maybe this last 12 months or so has been uh, an opportunity for a lot of people to experience a bit of a, a wake up and some really uh, a pattern interrupt if you like that says I don't really want that anymore I want something different and maybe now's the time to start doing something about it others are in a position where they have no option but to do something to turn things around because they've either lost work or business employment through um through COVID and the likes and, and through the dip in the, the economies and uh, they have no choice but to reassess it and try and find new ways forward mm. when you were starting out uh, you, you said that you went in such a great financial position. How, how did you then actually get started with the investment? In them? So my sister and I accidentally went along to um, a financial planning session and she was sort of interested in pensions at the time. Um, and I just went along for the company and we met a guy there and he was talking about investing in property and how you could invest in property for a pension and that was the way the conversation worked we started speaking to him he talked about property and I'd always had this thought that property was a good idea but when my sister and I spoke we had very different approaches so she wanted to buy somewhere nice do it up designer and let it out corporate and I just wanted something that made maths uh, made sense mathematically I didn't care what it looked like because I was never going to live in it um, I just wanted it to be mathematical sense. Now, when I say I don't care what it looks like, um, I wasn't going to be affected by its appearance because I saw it as a business transaction. Right. So we we just we just couldn't do it on our own. Then we met this guy and he explained the model. And we literally, the very first time, went to our parents. And our parents had a mortgage-free house, as many parents do. And we said to, to my mum and dad, we'd like to borrow some money and they lent us initially 40,000 pounds and that was enough for us to buy our first property. And then as a couple of years went later, I remortgaged that property where we'd got um, equity in it. Now, I don't think that's a good idea as a long-term strategy at all. We can talk about that later. Um, but I did pull it out in this particular case because where I was, I bought the first property in 2004, effectively with my parents' money. It had increased in value because I was at the right point accidentally in the market and it had climbed dramatically from 2004 to 2007. And by the time we got to 2007, I was quite switched on. I'd already been doing a little bit of this training and I was aware of the fact that, um, you know, money was a tool. And so I started to watch the markets. I didn't really understand everything that was going on economically. But mathematically, I could see that this couldn't continue. House prices couldn't continue to rise if people's wages didn't. Little did I know that actually it would be the whole Lehman Brothers in the States that was going to bring us down. But as soon as I started to see what was going on in America, I know that it ripples over to Europe later. Yeah. And so quickly remortgaged our property, bought ourselves a second one. I then went on and remortgaged our own personal home and pulled some money out so that Bob and I could buy a property. So now all of a sudden, 2007, we've got three London properties, you know, which was which was incredible. It's actually just, that was enough money, really. That was it, we were fine. Yeah. But then I got the bug 
I'd finished my training. Um, I then went on a proper, proper property training course and got totally sucked in by paying tens of thousands of pounds for training that we didn't need. But, you know, no. sometimes you can say I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't done what I did. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but then we went back to my parents with a business plan, re, re pulled more money out of our own family home and, and just went for it and bought the portfolio. But all the time, it was built on a foundation of, of clearly knowing what our personal finances were. Strategically, I did the work and Bob, for example, had to stay in a job so that we were mortgageable. So it was always strategies going on around the money, how to make the best use of our time, how to make the best use of our money, which was the best property to buy, what were the results that it was going to lead to. So it was all a mathematical equation. Mm. Um, and and I, I just reveled in that, quite frankly. It's uh, is there still I'm thinking about people who may be coming into the property market now? Uh, is there still a, a way in for for younger people who maybe aren't on um, great incomes and uh, may, maybe uh, still sorting out their financial lives and things like that? And is is it just uh, unassailable now, or is there still a way forward? Um, I, I think first I need to ask you back a question. Are, are you talking about is there a way for young people to get onto the property market as residential buyers or as investors it, it is different so mm. uh, for for people who are maybe looking to start investing in property is is there a way forward yes right. and i think what they need to do is the fundamentals much like you described for yourself there is no point and, and i'll be blunt here there's no point thinking that you can invest in property if you are in debt yourself yeah. that doesn't mean to say that you couldn't start a property business there's many roles that you can play in property from sourcing properties to learning a trade and working on the properties. And they would all form apprenticeships for you. You know, so if, if you're currently in um, a less than perfect, no, not imperfect, it doesn't even have to be perfect, but a, a less than break even point in your finances, you know, if you're in debt, then you won't be able to get a mortgage. So you can't buy an investment property or a residential property for yourself. And depending on the damage that you've done to your credit report, it may take you a number of years to improve that. That right. doesn't mean to say that you can't upskill your knowledge. You can learn about property investing. You can do all the things that I did in the early days, understand what areas are good, understand where the market's going, which has shifted dramatically and I think will continue to shift dramatically with the effect of covid you know yeah. people not wanting to live in flats so much people valuing outdoor space i think that will have a knock-on effect and should have a knock-on effect in developments i think they'll just carry on doing their own thing but really if you want to create i don't know beautiful living spaces for people to be happy in then you need to look at, at how you can do that then you can learn so much you could go, uh, first of all, on the physical trades. You could get yourself a qualification around um, the hardcore skills of, you know, bricking, laying, decorating, all of that sort of stuff. Or you could go into the softer skills of looking at how you can do um, certificates for things that need to go on. You could train in terms of the finances. So this is a great time for you to control your finances and learn more. Yeah. But if you're on the other side of things and you're actually in a good financial position and you have savings behind you, then you can start to have these conversations in your family, test them out. And this is a good time. In fact, every time 
is a good time to invest in property. You just need to know where in the cycle you are. So if the prices are currently high and the market's hot, then you possibly don't want to be leaping in there and buying things at asking price. But you can still watch in your local area. There's always the house. We've literally had it down our road. A house, you know, four doors away has been empty for a long while, came on the market, snapped up because it needs a lot of work doing to it. And there's a very specific type of investor that will go for those properties. Again, where my daughter lives, six doors down the road, the old lady has either gone into a care home or passed on, the house is laying empty. We were watching it, watching it on the market, snapped up, gone. Well, if you can start to be aware of that in your local area, you can start to prepare yourself so you could buy a property like that with your family, maybe with friends very carefully. And if you get yourself in a good position, there's no reason why you can't get yourself a joint venture partner. But that's advanced skills, I would say. Sure. Yeah, I think this is important stuff. And, and you know, it does it does very much uh, thing. I know people are always talking about the they sort of make money from property and all this kind of stuff. And that the reality is to do it and to do it well, it takes time and it takes a lot of effort and input. And so you need to probably know that you want to do it. And it helps if you have a, an interest in it. Like you said, you had a, you even found a bit of a bug for it once you got started. Um, but if you can get started and get some good solid advice, and I think if, if anyone's maybe telling you that it's super easy and uh, you can have it like, in a month or something like that then they're probably yeah yeah they're probably blowing smoke but um well actually what they're doing is their strategy for getting rich from property is getting money out of people who want to get rich from property so there's a whole industry around that how do i get rich from property i will tell you how to get rich from property and i won't be doing any of it myself and there are some sad stories about people who put a lot of money into training in the hope of getting rich quick and then yeah. the realization has hit them. So, you know, unfortunately, I've worked with some people who've had those experiences. So, I mean, I don't want to get into sort of uh, name and shame and stuff like that. I mean, we no, no. we have some idea who they are, and we can maybe chat privately about some of that. But um, when it comes to finding somebody to work with, what should somebody look for in who they go to for for property advice, and maybe even paying to to learn and work with? I think you have to do your due diligence. You have to do your research on people. You want to check them out online to see what people are saying about them. And don't fall for the whole, um, I don't know, five-star ratings on everything and everything is hunky-dory. You want to see that there is some negative feedback because if that that's there, then at least it's genuine. You know, you yeah. I don't know when you, <laughs> if you go online and you want to buy something from Mr. Bezos, you look at not just the five-star ratings to see what people say is good about something, but I first, I go to the one and the two-star ratings. Yeah. I want to find what people think are wrong with the product and then make a judgment call from that. And I think you need to do that. And don't rush, you know. I'm not saying prevaricate for like, 14 years <laughs> but yeah. I'm saying don't jump at the first thing you see check people out have conversations with people and I think the key thing is when you're buying into something are you going to get to work with the person who is selling it to you because quite often you've got the big guys doing all the big guns look at all the cars look at all of this look at everything I've got yeah 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 come on my course but actually the truth of the matter is you work with people 
that learnt from people that learnt from that learnt from people that learnt from them. Right. So you're getting like third-hand education. Yes, I'm sure there's some degree of quality control there. So I'm not knocking them, but does it matter to you if you sold something by this person that at the end of it you're not going to be trained by that person? And that that for me matters. You know, if yeah. I'm coming to you, Johnny, because you're telling me that you're great at um, helping me with my finances. I've had the whole conversation with you. Now, whether that's a real conversation, I actually get to speak to you or I watch your videos <clears throat> and I read your materials. However, I have, in a sense, had a communication with you. I then want you to deliver on the words that you have told me that you can deliver on. I don't yeah. want you to pass me down to Jemima, who's going to teach me, you know? So that matters to me. It might not matter to other people, but I want to know that, and you've told this story, haven't you? You weren't in a good place financially. You turned yourself round. Not only did you turn yourself round, you now work in the industry helping other people turn themselves round. That, to me, talks about a story. Yeah. I was in social housing as a benefit tenant, on benefits, living in rented accommodation, given to me by a landlord. I, I clocked what he was doing. I learned about it. I did it for myself. I now do it for other people and you would work directly with me and not showing up once a month at a preordained order of learning. But what do you need to know today to move you forward? And I will adapt what I teach you to make sure that you get the right information at the right time. Now, if that matters to you, that's what you need to search for. Yeah. My, in my experience it tends to be that the the further people get into things like, I think at first the, a lot of the, um, Sort of events industry, whether we're talking about uh, investment events, uh, financial events, kind of personal, professional development kind of things, it can be very uh, dazzling and looks really impressive, especially if you've not been involved in it before. As I haven't seen really professional, they kind of know what they're doing. It's very easy to get swept along by stuff uh, and uh, they they will work with that and turn up the emotion in a room in many of these events to get the sale, to get you to buy whatever it is they're offering and you know, to get you into their funnels and get you paying, spending more and more money. And so generally, the, in my experience, the more people get into these sorts of things and understand what's going on in the industry, either they get really turned off by it and think oh, that's all rubbish and horrible, I hate all of it, or they start moving more to the, I'd rather work more personally with people who I can actually get to know and, and feel that relationship with and trust. And I think we are at a point uh, which I think I've talked about before on various shows, but we're at a point where I think with quarantines and lockdowns and COVID and everything like that, that we have been uh, accelerated into what was already happening, which was more of a deeper relationship kind of marketing and connection in sales, that people, not more and more people want that, but they want to feel like they have some connection with the people who they buy for. And, and they're looking for they're looking for the authenticity. They're looking for that. Uh, want to feel that this is a real person and not just some rags to riches story that's uh, sort of tugging at my heartstrings and then going to get me uh, pumped up to just make a sale. They want people are recognizing more and more what's authentic, what's real, and and there are a lot of people out there now exposing the scammers and exposing what what people aren't doing. Oh, well, thankfully, and, and I think they have been really for the for the last decade. It's just you didn't know where they were, and maybe people were cautious and you had to be in the right forum to hear all of the stories i think i think there are a couple of things here for me which is about the authenticity if you 
participate in anything that you have paid for that then requires you to buy something more so they own it which is a, a classic thing isn't it um, yeah. i'm going to charge you a hundred pounds and then i'm going to give you one thing but in order to get the nine you've got to pay a thousand pounds and then when you pay the thousand pounds you don't get the other nine you get another five and then you have to pay three thousand or ten thousand to get the other bits as soon as you start to see yourself in that cycle you need to walk away because yeah. you are constantly going to be you're in a as you mentioned it you are in a funnel and yeah. they are going to milk it all the way through Absolutely. i think the other thing to look at is what we used to have in the old days was the whole run to the back of the room as you say <laughs> the, the yeah. person at the front geez everybody up they all get super excited and then there's only you know three or ten or twenty run to the back of the room and then one person runs and then everybody runs and they're all clamoring with a piece of here take my money take my money they do that to you online as well yeah. so while you can't run anywhere when you're online <laughs> they are driving you quickly when you feel that step away there's always enough honestly there is always another opportunity so if you exactly. really wanted to work with johnny and he was saying that there's only 10 opportunities this month the fact that there's only 10 opportunities this month or this quarter means that there will be another 10 down the line because it's johnny's business and he's going to have to make another exactly. 10 people come in exactly in fact, i shouldn't use you as an example fred, fred's business. Fred <laughs> i don't wants... do that i don't do the fake scarcity stuff no so no no absolutely so i, I didn't mean yeah. to say you know but you know no fred, course, I know, I know fred had you with there are only 10 opportunities to work with me i guarantee you he does that every month or every quarter yeah. because there's no way that just once in his life 10 people can pay him even a thousand pounds and him have enough money to carry on yeah. so I, think I about so. their business model and if their business model is trying to force you to buy something in a heightened emotional state which is exactly what auction companies do yeah. take a breath and walk away yeah exactly good advice vicky um so one to one to start pulling things so close but i know that people are going to want to find out more about you uh, and so they should I, so there's a reason why i recommend you to my clients um how can people find out more about you and what you do and and, and maybe some of your books as well yes well i think the easy thing is to start with the books you know if you like to read you can just buy books at ridiculous prices if you buy them on kindles you know most of the books are between 199 and 399 and there are and you can just see them above my head we're going that way uh there are um four property books and then one story but don't worry about that one um you can check out my website you can check out social media but i think you know if you really want to move forward both in terms of financially sorting yourself out making the most of your finances i typically work with clients who are senior executives or business owners who've got in the region of 250,000 pounds in either assets or cash but they're not happy with the way life is turning out at the moment because they're just working all the time and actually what they really want to be doing is something else then i can work with you get in touch um find me on social media or send me an email at vicky and you can see how my name is spelt here vicky at wushay-associates.co.uk um, and i'll gladly have a call with you and explain in more detail maybe even highlight where you are now but explain in more detail how 
we can work together with sort of personal strategic financial planning this is not financial planning like the financial planners do it this this just takes it to a whole nother level this isn't about trying to force you to buy stocks and shares or even property it's about becoming aware of where you're at and what it means for you as a family to be resilient so no matter what happens down the line no matter what the chancellor says in any of the countries that you're in no matter what the government plans you know you are okay see this is one of the things one of the things i love about recommending people to you is that um people can check out your books and they can decide whether they like your style and your approach to things before they've even met you, uh, before they even speak to you and something, oh yeah, this is someone who knows what they're talking about and who I want to speak to. Or it's like, mm, maybe it's not for me, that's up to you. But you can check Vicky out without going to some big rah-rah event and having go, yeah, get your pumped up, come and buy my stuff. It's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a most general way of doing it, but it's, uh, it's, it's nice and authentic as well, I, I love it. Vicky, I talk about that as being stalkers, Johnny. So you can stalk me. You can stalk me through the books and YouTube and all social media. And then when you're ready, you can come forward knowing what you're getting into. But thank you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining us today and sharing some really great insights and your your story as well. It's nice, some personal stuff as well, which I really appreciate. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with you and definitely we'll stay connected and I'm going to keep sending people your way. Uh, Vicky Wachey, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and consider sharing it with your friends as well so that we can help get points of change into the hands of anyone who is going to benefit and be able to use it to transform their lives. Coming soon on the show, a chat with Sunil Godsey about his book Gut, talking about intuition and his science and investigation into intuition and why we should all be using it all the time and what happens and what goes wrong when we don't. I'll also be talking to my friend Sabiasachi Singupta about his book, What's Your Plan B? About making sure that you always are able to have the flexibility of a backup when things don't go the way you intend. And as he was a winner of an evaluations contest in Toastmasters, we'll be talking about giving feedback and how to do that effectively. So don't miss those shows coming up very soon on Points of Change. If you think you'd be a great guest on the show or you know someone who would, then please get in touch. The way to do that is to email me, john at presentinfluence.com. john at presentinfluence.com. I will look forward to hearing from you. Please tell me why you or your friend or the person you represent would be a great guest and why you'd like to come specifically on Points of Change. So all that remains for me to say is thank you for joining me. See you again next time.